Let's get back to the economic data and the trends here as we see consumers still willing to spend on houses and just about anything else that they can afford right now. But on the other hand, drama in Washington as we look for more money. I'm a little confused. Jim Paulson, chief investment strategist at Luthold Group, is going to help us figure it out. So, uh, Jim, I, I got to say it's getting harder for me to kind of cover this narrative where, on the one hand, supposedly everybody tells me that we're desperately in need of trillions of dollars of stimulus. On the other one, I'm looking at the economic surprise rate going up as the stimulus wears off. So how, what's going on? How do we make heads or tails of this? I kind of agree with you, all right? I think it's really odd that in a quarter that we just uh, are ending here, we're probably growing 35% in real GDP terms. Uh, we're creating, uh, I think, something like two and a half million jobs a month in the last four months. Uh, overall, um, I stock market is, uh, you know, as we know, is close to record highs. And, um, there's still some pain on Main Street, but man, there's a lot of stimulus already induced. We've got 25% money growth, probably 20% deficit to GDP spending. Those numbers are totally unprecedented compared to any other period of the post-war history. If you combine the stimulus from fiscal monetary policy, it's uh, two and a half times greater than what we or delivered during the 2008 financial crisis. It's almost five times greater than what we did in the dot-com aftermath. I, I think there's a strong argument to be made that we don't need a lot more stimulus. We might get some more, but I'm not sure we need it. The other thing to keep in mind about stimulus is that a lot of economic stimulus takes about a year before it really starts to have great impact. And so monetary and fiscal uh, stimulus often take a year, which is we're just getting into that window or will in the first quarter of next year. So I think the big impact of the stimulus is yet to be had. The one thing that's really mattered has been lower mortgage rates, which have a quicker uh, impact. And you, you talked about this earlier, it's created tremendous momentum for big ticket spending. You see housing on fire. You see durable goods of all varieties for consumer spending that have gone on to new highs uh, overall. You've seen auto sales that have recovered almost all of their pandemic loss. You see capital goods, ex-air and defense that have risen back up close to where they were pre-pandemic. Everything big ticket associated with low, low rates is already responding. And I think the rest of the stimulus is going to kick into the bigger wave in next year. So we might get more stimulus. I don't really think we need it. So Jim, um, is there any way to put that view uh, into place in the market right now, does it mean that if we do get, if there's a natural recovery rate that's happening here, that still has some major holdbacks, right? We see Disney laying people off. The airlines are struggling to come to deals with pilots. There are certain places in this economy that no doubt got hit really hard and still have some pretty big wounds. There's a whole debate to be had about whether or not we should be you know, rushing to patch up every single wound, but leaving that kind of moral debate to the side for the moment in terms of expectations and investment, if there's this natural rate of recovery that's happening, that is slowly healing those wounds, and yet then we're going to inject something to hasten that even quicker, does that 
potentially create a different market dynamic than the one in March? Because in March it was like, let's put a giant Band-Aid over the problem. You still have to stay home. You can't do what you used to do. You have to play video games, watch Netflix, order Chipotle, and Zoom it to work, right? And we got this massive NASDAQ run. Now, if we put more of a Band-Aid back on, I mean, people actually do have options this time, right? People are traveling. The numbers are going up. So what does this second dose of stimulus potentially do for the market? Well, I, I, I think that the, the question for me, Oliver, at least, is I think the market's going to do okay whether we get more stimulus or not, because I think economic momentum has already geared up confidence is being restored you're seeing confident behaviors among the household uh, sectors we talked about but look at the business sector their capital goods spending again there you see some ipos starting to emerge again you're you're seeing buybacks come back among stocks you're seeing confident behaviors in the private sector whether we get more stimulus or not i think we're still going to have a fairly robust economy here in the next uh, 12 months. I think we might grow five to 6% uh, in 2021, for example. And I think that type of growth is gonna keep the stock market going up. The problem with more stimulus is not a 2021 issue for me, it's more of a 2022 or beyond, in that if we're overdoing stimulus, it might come home to roost in uh, higher inflation, uh, more aggressive interest rate movements, a more aggressive reaction to tighten down the road, uh, which which could shorten this recovery just because we overreacted on the front end. That's what I'm more worried about. But I think I think the economy is going to be really good here in the next year. Okay, so Jim, and, and walk me through that last point there about what that overact could possibly have in terms of blowback and timing and nature of it is this the inflation argument is it something different is it like a too big of a rotation where suddenly let's say we get a vax let's say we get a fiscal dose another stimulus and then let's see we let's say we do get a vaccine before urine and it's distributed early next year or something then suddenly people have tons of cash and they're able to do whatever they want does that create like a a, a huge rotation out of tech that causes weird triggers to go off i don't i don't think that's so much. I, I think there is a rotation going on, Oliver, right now, uh, away from tech and new era. I don't think they're going to get killed. I think they're going to participate in uh, the market going higher next year. But I think we're seeing broader market plays, small caps, cyclical stocks, international stocks that are going to continue to do better and better on a relative basis. Those broader market areas like heat, they like a hot economy. And the reason they haven't done well for over a decade is the economy has been growing so sluggishly, even when it's in an expansion. But I'll tell you what, the juice that we've provided and the, the dent that we created, and now we're reviving the economy, we're gonna have one of the uh, fastest growth rates in the economy that we've had in, in probably maybe 20 years in 2021 literally maybe five to six percent in real gdp it's going to be hot and if it's hot it benefits cyclicals smalls and international a lot of value stocks much more than the steady eddy unit growth of uh, of new era tech and comms so i i do think there's going to be a leadership shift um but but just give me one example of a of a un, you know bad fallout from this is is um the Fed has been sitting like a big elephant on top of the 10-year Treasury yield in this country with $7 trillion balance sheet and chronic buying of bonds. If the economy continues to 
do well into this fourth quarter. And as you say, the economic surprise index just keeps going up. Maybe we, we're still growing at 10% after a 35% third quarter. Then the Fed's going to have to back away. In other words, they're going to have to say, okay, we're going to stop uh, being so supportive. If they are, they can allow those bond yields to adjust higher. But right now, the 10-year trades at about 65 basis points, and the embedded inflation expectation in 10-year in tips is 165. That means that bond yields are probably artificially uh, being held lower by at least 1% and maybe more. So if the Fed backs away, we could have a radical upward move in, in the in bond yields next year, maybe going from 60 to 160 in a very short period of time. There's a lot of portfolios that are still over-invested in bonds that could be hurt very badly by that yeah. uh, type of aggressive movement. That's that's kind of the thing that could happen next year. Jim, uh, now I know you're kind of saying that this is a, a risk, but to me it's just hard to reconcile such an event as not being stock negative when you have a market so dictated by big tech and growth plays whose valuation is tied to some degree to those lower rates. If that event happens, how does that not lead to at least a drag from tech that's gonna make it hard to be long the broad market? I think that, uh, as I say, I don't really expect tech to, to uh, die or to, I think it's gonna to continue to be uh, a great asset over the next several years. I think it's just gonna underperform next year is the more cyclical areas of the market are gonna, their growth profile is gonna improve relative to tech. Tech is gonna stay good, but I think the rest of the market's growth profile pick, picks up uh, overall. I also think, Oliver, that confidence could come up a lot. If I think if yields go back above 1%, that'll actually fuel private sector animal spirits because we'll stop worrying about negative yields and deflation, depression. I, and so I think the stock market will be able to handle rates going from 65 to 165 if that happens next year I, because growth will be strong enough and optimism will improve. What is more concerning to me is in 2022, 23, if inflation really gets a handle and we have trouble shutting it back down, then rates might go up a heck of a lot more, which to your point, eventually will hurt the stock market. Okay, uh, Jim, okay, so uh, I wanna make sure we get to just kind of a right now uh, point that you guys make in your latest report, which is about the confidence on Main Street versus Wall Street. Walk me through uh, how you track this and what implications it has. Well, that's something I just looked at recently here. One of the things that's fascinated me, Oliver, is that, as you say, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're, we're coming out of recession, and here we have consumer confidence by several measures now that is uh, in the upper quartile of its historic range since, uh, uh, you know, uh, over the period that it's been back, what I did back to 1988. That just seems at odds. Here we got Main Street confidence from consumers saying they're more confident than 75% of the time. And we've got everyone yelling and screaming, we need more uh, stimulus. And what I found out was the one period which is really good for stocks has been when Main Street confidence is high and Wall Street confidence is low. What you also see right now in the last 13 weeks, the American Association of Independent Investors bulls less bears is at one of its lowest levels ever over the last 13 weeks. 
So we now have extreme bearishness on Wall Street and extreme and optimism on Maine. That's been a very good environment for the mm. stock market. Uh, it's been the one environment that uh, yields around 20% annualized returns. Uh, when when Maine is optimistic and, and Wall is not, maybe huh. Wall catches up to Maine and that produces higher stock prices. Seems like that's kind of what happened in August because everybody was laughing at the retail and everyday traders who were buying into the market in March and April, and April, May, June, and then all of a sudden July and August we melted up. So is this effect already taking place? I, I, I think it's still unfolding because, look, like I said, we're seeing some confident behaviors now on Main Street, the, the buying of big ticket items, both by consumers and businesses, Oliver, buy back a stock, coming back again, confident behavior. But look at look at Wall Street. We still have money market mutual funds at four and a half trillion, almost all time record highs, even though they're yielding zero, people are holding them. We're still having a chronic inflow every month into bond funds and ETFs and a chronic outflow from stock funds and ETFs. We still have gold at almost a 50 year high relative to other commodity prices overall. Those are all evidence of very conservative behaviors. And just a number of portfolios that are still overweighted fixed income and underweighted uh, equities because of fears. So I'd still think that right now, it looks to me that Main Street is more confident than Wall Street. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jim, I really love the research. Great conversation. we got to leave it there for now. Appreciate you joining us as Thanks always. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Jim. Mr. Paulson is Chief Investment Strategist at Luthold Group. When we get back, really good stuff. Lots of process there. Go watch it again. It'll be online soon.